Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network, presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. And bet $1 on any game, you get 200 free. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are my friends, co-hosts, and colleagues, BJ Cunningham out of Iowa, and Anthony DeBundo from King of Prussia. Pennsylvania. Gentlemen, it's a weird weekend of Premier League soccer head. We have seven matches, two on Friday, a few on Saturday, some on Sunday morning, including an, a rare early kickoff on uh, Sunday morning as well. But it just feels good to have some soccer to talk about because all season long we were talking about there's going to be soccer and soccer and it's just going to be crazy. Uh, and then obviously the queen dies and that gets thrown into flux. And now we have an international break looming, but we have some games to talk about and we're going to start uh, with one of the Friday afternoon kickoffs, this one is Aston Villa plus 105 at home versus Southampton. Saints are plus 250 at Bet365, road underdog. The draw is sitting at plus 260. Um, I think it's simple here. Villa just aren't the type of team you want to bet as a favorite. 19th in uh, non-penalty expected goals per 90, 17th in big chances created. Uh, and, and the Saints defense is better than we expected it to be so far. And that's not saying it's great. Seventh in uh, expected goals allowed, 14th in big chances allowed. But uh, BJ, you're sort of betting into this one being more of a slugfest. I'm going to bet the underdog here. I like I like Saints at the price, but you're going, you're targeting a BTTS. Yeah, one of my favorite bets. Bale, both teams have scored no, plus 125. I mean, you mentioned Aston Villa. They've been really poor offensively. 4.5 expected goals in six matches. They created three biggest scoring chances against Everton, but against everybody else, they have not created one big scoring chance. And it goes back to what Anthony mentioned after the Bournemouth match that Aston Villa cannot turn final third possession into any type of high quality chance. I mean, they are in the middle of the pack in the Premier League. They, have a, they average about 155 touches per 90 in the opponent's final third, but they're only averaging 18 touches per 90 minutes in the opponent's penalty box. Only Leicester and Bournemouth have a lower average. And Aston Villa has only taken 32 shots inside the opponent's penalty area. West Ham, Leicester, and Bournemouth are the only ones that are worse. So they have been bad in the final third or in the penalty box trying to actually get some type of chance. And But defensively, you know, they've been really solid. Like their back line, you know, has been good. They have good defensive midfielders. You know, their top eight in terms of box entries allowed, progressive passes and dribbles allowed, crosses allowed in the penalty area. Like Gerard it seems like he wants compactness over anything else. Like that's all he really cares about is like, let's get in the Christmas tree formation. Let's be really compact. Let's not let anybody go right through the middle. So 
you know, normally what you'd say is like, okay, Aston Villa counterattacking style team playing against Southampton, ultra pressing up tempo, like good matchup, right? Well, Aston Villa last season was bottom five at playing through pressure. So not really. Like if you want to play counterattacking, you got to be able to play through pressure. I mean, Southampton, like you mentioned, they've been better defensively, but let's not kid ourselves. Like this offense, even though they've gotten some big wins, they're still averaging under one non-penalty expected goal per match. They're 14th in shots from inside the penalty area. And I mean, when these two met, towards the end of last, I mean, both meetings last season, um, you know, Southampton failed to create over one expected goal against Aston Villa, but they held over 56% possession in both those matches. So what does that tell me is that if Southampton is asked to have the ball, like they're not very good at trying to break down some type of low block. So um, with both teams to score, no priced at plus 125. I, I think that's a, a way, way, way too low. Um, I have it projected at minus 112. So uh, anything plus money is good for me on both teams to score no in this match. Yeah, Gerard, he seems to be managing like coach who doesn't want to be fired. He doesn't want to lose his job. Yeah, he's scared. Um, yeah, so that is not a good combination for a favorite, whether you're at home, on the road, whatever. So I just don't trust them to to get the separation needed to profile Wells one. Uh, Anthony, we're going to go to you for this next one. Forrest plus 180 at home. Hosting Fulham, plus 162. The draw here is plus 220. Two newly promoted sides meet. The Fulham defense is starting to show some cracks in the armor. 17th in non-penalty expected goals allowed. 19th in big scoring chances allowed. They played a pretty tough schedule. Um, the only team that's worse than them across the board is, is Nottingham Forest. Last in both those metrics, non-penalty expected goals allowed and big chances allowed. It screams over, but not so fast. Yeah, I think this is kind of a, a going back to the broader trend of last season. These were two teams who overperformed considerably in attack relative to their expected goals. And again, you look at Forrest this season, especially at home, their defense has been a little bit better at home than it's been on the road this season. So I think that's worth something. Yes, I know uh, the Bournemouth game did happen, but again, Bournemouth scoring three goals there off of you know less than one expected goal, not reading too much into what happened there. There was also a penalty that got Forrest one of their goals. And so there was a lot of flukes that happened in that wide open game. If you went back and watched it, it was pretty lackluster in terms of consistent scoring creation. Uh, and I think when you look at Fulham, it's been pretty much Mitrovic or bust for the attack. And I'm a little skeptical of how long that's going to be sustainable in this league. Uh, I think that Mitrovic had an incredible start to the season and, you know, credit to him, but he's scored almost all of their goals. <laughs> and, and, th and that, you know, as good as I, as much as I like him and I think he's very good, uh, I don't know how long he can be the only person who scores six of their eight goals this season with Paulinha and Bobby Reed scoring uh, the others. No other player has created more than one expected goal. It's been, you know, six matches now. So we're not dealing with that small of a sample. Forrest and Fulham, my number is pretty close here. It's 2.4, but I do like the under. I think that as much as I don't like the forest defense, I do think that they'll be a better at home here in this matchup. So I'm going the under two and a half. Uh, yeah, this is the other Friday afternoon game. So now let's look at Saturday morning. Uh, Wolves plus 850 home underdogs to Man City, a price like that on a team at home. You know who the other team's going to be in the matchup. That's City minus 300. The draw is plus 400 at bet 365. Wolves look like they should, pro the numbers point to some positive regression on offense for them, but we know this team by now. This is this Bruno Lage team and three goals for four goals against in six matches. That's the lowest total per game uh, in the Premier League. 
I got nothing here. I think, I mean, I want to bet numbers like this, uh, especially it's against City and it rests its advantage. Once again, went behind. Like they're not just playing teams off the pitch like they normally do. But I just don't trust Wolves to score themselves out of trouble here. So it'll be a pass for me, BJ. Yeah, I'm going back to both teams to score no with City. Wolves, it's, it's very funny because they have the same problem as Aston Villa, except they're playing a little bit different style than they did last season. Like they're not just sitting back defensively and not pressing. Like they're actually holding possession mainly in their own, mainly in their own half. But they are top five in the Premier League in touches in the opponent's final third. Like they're top six in progressive passes and dribbles. Like this is a midfield that's definitely improved a lot and is able to progress the ball up the field. They just, can't do anything in the final third. I mean, when you look at it, their touches in the final third drop down to 12th in the Premier League. Like they go from fifth to 12th when you go from the attacking third to the penalty area. So I have question marks about how they're actually going to threaten the city defense because, I mean, I mean, listen, you know, Klausic got hurt and Diego Costa comes in. It's either him or Raul Jimenez. I don't feel confident either one of those two turning any type of chance that Wolves may create here against City. I mean, they lead the Premier League in shots from outside the box. Like it's a team that it's improving, like in the middle of the pitch, but they're just they still have problems in, in front of net that they haven't solved. And City, you know, they did play the thriller with Newcastle, but I they're still very slow and pragmatic, like they were last. Like we 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 said we like we couldn't put our finger on what's wrong with City. Well, like if you look at their sequence time is slower than it was last year. Their passes per sequence is you know, almost one better than last year. And their direct speed is actually slower than last year. And they're holding 73% possession on average. Like this is crazy. They're averaging close to 500 touches in the middle third of the pitch. Like they're playing two kind of different styles. And I think the reason why you maybe see them more pragmatic right now is because they're, they've played a lot of teams that are just going to play low blocks against them. Like yeah. they've no top you, six sides. Yeah. They've played no top six sides. So essentially, you know, again, they've, they play, you know, the, the teams that have, played low blocks against them. It's Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest, and Aston Villa. And City has allowed a total in those four matches of one expected goal, 16 shots, and only 29 touches in their penalty area. And so now what you have with City is a team that they're kind of going back to what they were. Like if they play a team that's going to press them, they're like inviting that press on and they're trying to play through it quicker and they're trying to get the ball to Holland because they actually have an out and out striker. But if they're going to play another team that is going to play in a low block, they're just going to pass the ball around, do little runs into the box. De Bruyne is going to do little half crosses and, and that's going to be pretty much the entire match. Cause I highly doubt that Wolves is going to come out of whatever type of compact thing that they're going to be in all match. So I'm going to go back to both teams to score. No, um, I got it projected at minus 137. So at minus 110, I think there's some value on it right now. Yeah, Wolves generally- are showing some counterattacking ability. I, I, I worry until, until, until the rubber beats the road. It's like if, if it was like rugby where you just had to get over a line, Wolves would be great. But then you yep. got to kick a yeah, ball into a net. <laughs> but that, that doesn't work like, until it does. Like it, and that's the thing too. And eventually that, you know, you continue to create, ch- I mean, they're, they're getting chances. I yeah. mean, you know, five, 5.7 XG is not good, but it's better than the three goals they have produced in six matches. So I fear it's, I yeah, fear it's like, betting it's like the, against it's like the, Tot- to the Tottenham match is a perfect example. Like if you watch that match, you're like, man, Wolves actually look pretty good. Like they controlled possession. They got a lot of shots off and everything. But then you look at the final box score, it's 0.8 XG off of 20 shots. Like you just, they couldn't create anything of value. So, I mean, you know, Tottenham obviously plays a very different style than City, but uh, you know, it's a relative example of playing against a big six side. So, um, I mean, we'll see city might open this thing up and we might get crazy. Um, I mean, Dortmund only created 0.7 XG against them today and didn't really do much in the first half. So we'll see. I mean, I think city's just going right back to 
pragmatic, slow against teams that are just going to play a low block. Yeah, generally, on this podcast, I, I think it's a dangerous spot here right before the international break. But uh, I do, if I had to bet this, I would, I would bet on Wolves. Actually, I would take the take the uh, the goals. I think that they're a little bit undervalued right now in the market, generally. And of course, Wolves overs, but I'm not betting it over here. But I do think that they're a little bit undervalued, a little bit off of the start. Where you know, you look at the numbers and you look at minus 0.2 per 90 xG difference, middle of the table, generally slightly below average. I think if you know, of course, the finishing is a you know creating clear chances in the box is a big problem, and, and shooting from distance over and over again against City, you could luck into one. But otherwise, it's very hard to see it. But I, I do think that this team is generally a little bit underrated, and you know their their defense isn't quite as bad as it was at the end of last season. They have made some improvements there. On to 10 a.m. kickoff between Newcastle and Bournemouth. Newcastle at home minus 223 at Bet 365. The Cherries travel up to St James Park as plus six. 50 underdogs to draw here plus 333 Bournemouth uh, 2.7 expected goals for but they still don't have the worst expected goal differential in the league that actually belongs to Nottingham Forest I know we talk about it a little bit with Newcastle to start with the draws but it is surprising that they only have one win on the season one four and one like I think if you just judging off the vibes around Newcastle that they're trending in the right direction you'd assume that they'd uh you know, be closer to you know three, two and one or something like that. I got nothing here. I, I think this this line on Bournemouth is is just not high enough. Uh, Eddie Howe taking on his former team, narrative street. You know, maybe they'll pummel him, but uh, this is a, this is an easy one for me to sit out. BJ, do you have something though? Yeah, I'm I'm not laying it with Newcastle here, I, even though I do think that they're starting to find something and really be for real. I mean, especially with Eshock. I mean, they against Nottingham Forest, Brighton, Wolves, and Crystal Palace this season, essentially when they didn't have to play City or Liverpool, they have a plus 3.6 expected goal differential, and they've only allowed 3.3 expected goals in those four matches. And I mean, listen, Bournemouth has had a difficult schedule. We've talked about it many times. But if we just isolate the three matches against Aston Villa, Wolves, and Nottingham Forest, here is Bournemouth's offensive output. They've created 1.9 expected goals. They have 20 shots. They have 36 box entries. They have 14 shots in the penalty area, zero big scoring chances, and field tilt has been 31.3 to 68.7. Like that is bad. You can talk about the Liverpool 9 nothing beating all you want. Like this team cannot create anything right now. I know they scored three goals. Anthony already mentioned it. I know they scored three goals against Nottingham Forest, but that was, they barely created one. So I really have a hard time seeing how they're not going to fall into the same trap that Nottingham Forest fell into on opening weekend, where Newcastle just basically pins them inside the final third and doesn't allow them any type of counterattacking opportunities to even get across the halfway line. I mean, Newcastle, they've been a good defensive team when they don't have to play the big six since February. You know, they, they've only allowed 11.9 XG in 15 matches against non-big six sides. And, and only five of those matches have as a team created over one expected goal against them. So I mean, I've, I feel like a broken record right now. I've done two already. I'm, I'm, we'll, I guess we'll just make it a third. Both teams have to score no at minus 120. I, I really have a hard time seeing how Bournemouth is going to score in this match. Um, and, you know, they could play, you know, put up a good defensive performance like they did against Wolves and keep Newcastle out of the net. But, yeah, I think this is priced a little too low. I have it projected at minus 159. From a betting perspective here, you know, Newcastle is kind of the team who's I think performances have flat, have been better than their results. 
And I think it's unquestionable to say that Bournemouth through these six games, their performances have been worse than their results. So in terms of a buy high and or buy low and sell high, I think this is a, actually a little bit cheap on Newcastle. I know their attack has not been great, but let me run through their defensive performances at home in the last three months. So dating back to the end of the last season, they conceded 0.3 XG to Wolves at home, 0.6 XG to Leicester at home, 0.5 to Palace, uh, 0.6 to Arsenal and two to Liverpool. Okay. You, you can say that's, you know, it's Liverpool. Then this season they start conceding 0.4 to Nottingham Forest, 0.8 and then point, and then 1.1 at home to Palace. So it's been a very impressive defensive showing against non-big six sides at home. And I think that's where you, you kind of get at what BJ was saying with how does Bournemouth get on the board here? They could fluke a goal. Of course, that's always the, the sweat with the BTTS nose that BJ bets. It's not a fun bet. I'll tell you that much. It's a <laughs> but, sweat for all 90 the minutes. The defense has made significant improvements and it's coincided with personnel improvements. So I think it's very easy to make the case that Newcastle is much better now and uh, that our under bets are maybe in some trouble. I mean, so far we're, we're getting through here on some draws, which, you know, their attack not being quite as good as maybe the market thought which we kind of said, but the defense looks legit and Guimaraes and Joe Linton and, and the improvements at center back clearly are, are improving this team. So uh, I would actually, I think Newcastle is a decent parlay piece. You know, I don't like laying the goal here because the, like the attack's not great, but I do think this is a good parlay piece. If you're looking for something else or maybe a big favorite that's on the board that you, uh, you think should roll. I know a team to parlay them with. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. a team that you might want to, <laughs> you might want to parlay with. Up, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not Spurs sure, minus 200 at home hosting Leicester city plus 550. The draws plus 333. If you listen to our last podcast, the champions league pod, I was imploring you guys to get on sporting Lisbon against Spurs because <laughs> this team Tottenham is a lot of fun to break down. They're a lot of fun to handicap because the numbers sure they matter, but it's so much about it is stylistic. Like, and it, and it, it might sound to oversimplify things that, like it's a style of make fights team. But if a team is going to sit back and they're not going to, or they profile that way, Tottenham's just, they're vulnerable, even as a big favorite. Unless they're not that type of team. They might look like one because of their statistics right now. They don't, they don't generate anything, but that's not what they are all about under Brendan Rogers. They don't have really the personnel to do it. Let's read off some of those numbers. 18th in big chances created. Tottenham is second in big chances allowed. Great. Leicester 16th in non-penalty expected goals per 90 created. 18th in shots per 90. 19th in big chances created. They don't play defense well. They don't create well. This is still a lame duck team. And Tottenham should just have their way with them. This is a team that should play into Tottenham's hands stylistically. So whether it's using Tottenham as a parlay piece with Newcastle or City or backing an alt line here, because I think that this one could get run up. Anthony, you're shaking your head because you don't believe in Spurs. But BJ, as an Arsenal fan, you do. Well, I, it's funny. Like you mentioned that, like it's the match against sporting was not good. Like they, they did not play very well. Like they allowed sporting a lot of possession. Like they didn't really look threatening going into the final third, but I think the bigger thing with Tottenham right now, and we are a betting podcast is what's going on in the market with them. I mean, let's run through it. I mean, against West Ham, they opened at minus 110. They closed at plus 115. Against Fulham, they opened at minus 275. They closed at minus 200. Against Marseille, they opened at minus 215, closed at minus 200. And then against Sporting, they opened at minus 120, and they close at plus 120. Like you mentioned, Michael, I think it maybe has something to do with stylistically, but this one, 
does not make much sense to me. Them being only minus 200 at home against Leicester. I mean, these two teams just played on May 1st at White Hart Lane and Tottenham closed as a minus 250 favorite in that match. So how on earth can we sit here today and say either Tottenham's gotten way, way worse since that May 1st date or Leicester's gotten way, way better? And neither of those are true. So why is Tottenham sitting at minus 200 right now? I mean, you could say that, you know, Leicester might have a rest advantage. I don't really buy that. I don't think the market really bakes that in too much. I mean, like you said, Michael, I mean, Tottenham should be able to put on a counterattacking clinic against, <laughs> against Leicester. I mean, that match on May 1st, Leicester held 60% possession. They attempted over 200 more passes than Tottenham, had 30 more touches in the attacking third, but they were only able to muster six shots and half an expected goal with all that possession. Like that's, that's not good. And I mean, we all know the story with Lester offensively. We talked about it on the pod before the match got canceled, but they finally decided to play Ian Nacho and Daka up top against Brighton. They actually looked a lot better than just putting Vardy on an Island, but they're still under one expected goal per 90 minutes. They're taking under 10 shots per match and they've created just two big scoring chances. So I'm taking Tottenham minus one, but I'm going to wait until match time because I think that the market is going to hate them again. And we might be able to get Tottenham minus one at even money or maybe even a plus number. Like they might drop to minus 185, minus 180 by match time, which is just way, way too low for Tottenham. Even if stylistically they haven't looked good, like just purely on a numbers play, there's a lot of value on Tottenham playing against this lame duck Leicester team. Maybe the Tottenham hate in the market is steaming or stemming from anthony's trepidation he's out on con i'm not he's out on the spurs i'm not entirely out you know i think that you know i respect the market i respect closing line value and i think that spurs are a little overvalued generally speaking these openers have been pretty high on them i think the sentiment and narrative surrounding this tottenham team is that they are as good as they were in the second half of the season under Antonio Conte. And BJ has mentioned it, you know, plus one expected goal difference per 90 minutes under Conte. Second half of the season is excellent. But what if they just regress from that? What if they're not as good? I mean, that was a that was a very impressive 15-game sample. What if the next 15 games, they're only about half a goal better per, you know, than their opponents per 90? And then you get somewhere in the middle, which is kind of what I have been feeling and fearing about Spurs in the last couple of months when you watch these performances, because I understand the shot difference, quality difference, that all matters. But, you know, the whole thing with Tottenham is to prevent teams from getting into your penalty area and to give them shots from distance. But Spurs are, you know, they're sitting there 10th in box entries allowed and eighth in crosses allowed. So the crosses that are coming in, the teams are getting in the box. And then they're, you know, last ditch defending, you know, they're, they're, they're still third in non-penalty XG allowed. Uh, but the only above average attack they've really played was Chelsea and, you know, look how poorly Chelsea's aged. And then going forward, you know, they're ninth in uh, crosses into the box and fifth in box entries going forward. So the field tilt numbers, it just strikes me as a team who's not nearly as elite as the market has suggested. And I think that's why you're seeing this team. I don't know all the answers on why the market moves the way it does all the time, but I think that Spurs generally overrated. Now that being said, let's move to this match. I mean, you can't you can't bet Lester here. No way. No. Uh, the number's not even close to good enough. And BJ's right. Like I think Spurs are are worse right now than they were playing in April and May. But I mean, <laughs> Lester's a whole lot worse than that. So you have to kind of downgrade both teams, I think. Uh, and it gets you right around to the number. Now I actually lean to the under, but I am a little bit concerned about Ianacho and Daka being in the team because I do think that makes them better in attack. 
I will be waiting until a little bit closer to game time before I'm betting this match. Uh, I want to see if Rogers' decision to bench Vardy was truly a benching of Vardy, or was it a, this was our third game in a week? Because remember, they played midweek that week. Maybe it was a little bit of a shift. Maybe Vardy's right back in front because, look, benching the team captain is a big move for somebody who's on the hot seat. Uh, and so, you know, that's the, that's the kind of thing they can lose the locker room. So maybe he's already lost it. Who knows? That's the narrative angle. But, I, you know, I lean to the under here because I do think Spurs just aren't quite firing an attack right now. And, and the market's inflating their totals a little bit because of it. And we've seen it now. I mean, didn't create anything against sporting. Didn't create anything against Marseille with, until they were down to 10 men. Did not create a ton against West Ham. So this this attack is, is a little bit sputtering. BJ, the Arsenal fan, me, pretty agnostic when it comes to Spurs. We're on Spurs. Anthony is a Spurs fan, not on Spurs. So you know what that means. 3-0 Spurs win going away. I'll take 2-0. <laughs> I hit my under and you guys win your Spurs bets. All right, I may still bet Spurs, by the way. They are, they are a good parlay piece ultimately with uh, the with that is That is probably what we're going to have to do. It's just yeah. parlay those two together us betting favorites where us if we parlaying go? favorites what, where what if we gone as a podcast what could go wrong uh, well, well, I, I, we, have an, we have an underdog we got to talk about as we flip the page of sunday but before we do that just a reminder wonder goal is presented by bet365 the world's favorite sports book brand sign up with promo code action to get bet365 exclusive sign up offer in new jersey colorado bet one dollar on any game get 200 free perhaps you want to do it on this underdog brentford Plus 333 at Bet365, hosting fellow London club Arsenal, minus 125 on the road. The draw here is plus 275. Uh, we all remember this fixture last year. Yep. Because we were all on the right side of this fixture last year, uh, which was Brentford to open the season. I was on the money line. I think you two chickened down, just took some goal line. I like it again. I like Brentford here. They've been playing from behind a lot this season, but they still have the six best expected goal differential per 90 on the year. They're overperforming offensively with 15 goals from just around 10 expected, but those numbers are still good for this team. Like this is a good team. They, they play very well at home. They're, they're brave. They're extremely just tough to deal with, uh, which makes them a great underdog that uh, we spoke about a few teams last year at nauseum. They profile well as dogs, maybe stay away from them as favorites. Brighton, Brentford and palace were those teams for the most part. And Brentford, they still have that profile. They punch up well. They remind me a lot of, of the Ottawa Senators in the NHL, a team that just they just don't know their weight class. Uh, so I will be on the Bs again against BJ's Arsenal. Before we do get to BJ, though, for his weekly bet against his Gunners, Anthony, your thoughts here, Bs and B- Gunners. BJ's reeling. I mean, he had his Gunners, and they He's went- on Tottenham, fading Gunners. Well, he was on the Gunners last week against Man United. That's and, true. Uh, if- I got cheated. Got cheated, got cheated by yeah, the BAR. Got cheated. But, the uh, bar, the refs, everybody. The other team kicking the ball in the net. Just ridiculous stuff from them. Anyway, uh, you know, look, this is pretty similar to me from opening day. You know, Arsenal was a minus 125, 130 favorite on the road at Crystal Palace against a great team who's excellent at home. And that has pretty much held up throughout the course of this uh, young season. They continue to play well at home. Uh, they've dominated opponents and I know the Leeds match was closer than the final score indicates BJ will never admit that, but it's true. They were the better side against Everton had some post luck. And then of course, everybody remembers the United four nail drubbing, but the underlying numbers look better for Brentford than they did last season in terms of ball progression, in terms of the attack, not being entirely reliant on set pieces. 
And a lot of that is Ivan Tony, who, you know, we talked about last season as, a, as somebody who could, you know, come into the Prem and be really successful. And then he had a really hot start and cool off. Now, maybe the same thing will happen, but right now he's over 0.4 XG per 90. And of course, I don't expect him to finish at a 0.8 per 90 rate, like he's doubling his XG and, and that's not going to continue forever. But it just seems like they're a little bit more balanced. They're healthier this year thus far, which has been really important. And so I just think Arsenal is overvalued again on the road where they have not been nearly as good in the last year and a half under Mikel Arteta. So I like Brentford. I think, you know, my number, I have the Arsenal plus money here to win. So anything with Brentford with plus money at a half at home, I'm taking it. So uh, I'm on the bees plus a half and I'll be talking more about the bees later in the underdog section. Yeah. It feels good to have you back on the bees, Anthony. It took some time. You went away for a little bit, went into the midlands with Aston Villa, but you're back. And so is BJ. Yeah. Man, this sucks. I hate betting. I, I, I don't have fun betting against Arsenal, but at the same time, like we are a betting podcast and there's just, you know, Arsenal's just overvalued once again. I mean, we've talked about Brentford at the, you know, the wonderful Brentford community stadium a lot. Well, seven matches dating back to the start of last season at home against the big six plus 1.4 expected goal differential. I'm pretty sure crystal palace is the only team that can claim that they have a positive expected goal differential against the big six at home since the start of last season. So really impressive stuff from Brentford. The thing I worry about for them in this match is that they're not, they haven't been good playing through pressure. They weren't last year. They've struggled a little bit this year. They, they like to play like this quick passing passing structure under Thomas Frank. Like they don't really play a lot of long balls. So it's kind of hard to play through teams that will press you successfully. And Arsenal's one of them. I mean, they're fourth and pass per defensive action. They're, fourth and pressure success rate, but the structure of Brentford is hard to break down and they, they don't play a high line like other teams. will. that way Arsenal can get in behind, like they're going to sit in a low block and it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, Brentford last season, they were a 1.2 XG per 90 minute uh, defense. Like that's really, really good for a newly promoted side. And so I have question marks to Arsenal here, especially, you know, you saw the way that United was able to counter them fairly easily on a few, t- a few times playing balls through, you know, what if Brentford, does what they did to Manchester United and presses Arsenal successfully, gets a few turnovers and just gets the ball moving forward. Arsenal has looked vulnerable. So if you're looking for a path to victory for Bradford, it's that, and then it's getting some goals off a set of pieces like they did last year. So um, yeah, to Anthony's point, I mean, I have Arsenal projected at plus 126. You look around everybody else. I mean, 538's got Arsenal 49%. Info goals got them at 44%. So B's plus half goal at anything plus money is good for me here. It's supposed to be a sneaky under game and I don't yep, have a time stylistically yep. that I like for this, but Arsenal's defense has been better than the goals allowed was suggest to this point, 4.9 to seven and the bees. I mean, you know, with a lot of it's been Tony going ham, but 15 goals for from about 10 expected Arsenal have run well too. These games have both these teams have played a lot of very open back and forth games. There tends to be a cool down that comes from that afterward. And so I think this is a sneaky under game as well. And Brentford's only played one big six side. It was United at rock bottom. So and they, also, they played Everton though. No, oh, that's true. I forgot about that. And they played Leeds. And Leeds. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like they, they played United at rock bottom. They haven't played like a, a real top tier team yet, you know? So oh, they were, they were only good against the top tier teams last year. That's all that's I got. True. <laughs> and then, you know, you, and I said in the per- I already made that point, I, I guess. said, uh, <laughs> what if they don't get points off of the top six? Like they could be in trouble here. And then uh, they just said, nah, we're just going to go. I mean, they're, they're in eight, they're, but. They're just going to go. Beat. I mean, they're the type of team like they a lot of times it just comes down to effort. 
you know, like yeah. a lot of times you can just see that in tackles and interceptions, pressing, like it's, it's just, it's just honestly effort. And when you watch Brentford, you're like, man, this team puts in a lot of effort, effort. You watch Brighton or Crystal Palace say, man, like as an underdog, they're actually putting in like effort and actually trying. And then you watch like Lester and you watch Telemans just like jog back as a team just goes like right through on a counter press. Like, you're like, wow, this team just doesn't care. Like they don't like, that's why we love these teams. Cause like, sometimes it really just goes down to effort. I know we don't talk a lot about numbers, but you just watch them and you're like, this team actually cares. Yeah. Brentford also top six in defending their own penalty area. Right. Against Arsenal. And uh, BJ, I think that point is starting to get back into handicapping more. I think as industry, like we started to, to kind of just like look almost squarely at the numbers and and now we're starting to see people show like raw handicapping skill and and one of those things is like you just said a team pulling in the right direction should upgrade them i think uh yeah and, and effort does get shown in numbers too yeah eventually like, like, it's, yeah. It, 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 it's both ways like you, you know obviously one part of handicapping is you have to watch the match and you have to actually see how this team is playing and then the other one is obviously in the numbers and if you see a team putting in great effort defending well well that's going to translate to a lot of the numbers that maybe aren't the most important in terms of, you know, essentially chance creation goals, but like things that happen in the middle of the pitch, mm-hmm. you know, that's where a lot of the effort comes from. So yeah. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. You're right, Michael. That kind of brings me to this next match. Everton plus 190 at home against West Ham plus 140. The draw is plus 240 at bet 365. We saw it with Everton last season. They were terrible. And then they started playing hard with their backs to the wall and then they started winning. I mean, it's, did they deserve to win games? Sometimes no, but like just being in the fight matters. And they weren't that uh, under Rafa Benitez and they started to do it under Lampard. And this team, I don't think the numbers are going to show it just yet, but it's clear that they're better. Ghana and Onana in the middle of the field will improve the defense. It allows Alex Iwobi with a little more, uh, a little more freedom with the ball at his feet. He has to do less defending the Jordan Pickford injury is concerning, but they got Asmir Begovic. So, you know, no big deal. Meanwhile, West Ham in a weird way, they've kind of flipped the script on last season. We we were questioning their defense, their offense looked fine. They were, they were creating chances. They were giving teams trouble. Uh, but this year they're starting, they're struggling to create scoring chances, About 15th in big chances created 17th in non-penalty expected goals, but their defensive numbers are decent. You know, they're, they're kind of where you would expect the David Moyes team to be, you know, in that like seven to nine, tenth range. But Everton's defense, it's struggled. But like I said, I do think there's improvement coming. They won't show up in the numbers just yet, but you want to beat the market to those uh, improvements. So if the West Ham defense uh, offense is struggling, I don't think they'll be able to truly take advantage of this Everton defense as wobbly as it might seem. So I think as a home underdog, Frank Lampard's toppies have some value here. BJ. What do you have? I generally would agree. I don't think West Ham should be necessarily a slight favorite on the road to Goodison Park. I'm not playing anything in this match. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we talked about it, you know, on the pod last time, but Everton, I just I don't really know what to make of them. I feel like Lampard's falling back into the Rafa Benitez school of like, let's just stay compact and try to counter. Like that God could wing backs to play a three-four-three and and like you mentioned, Onana and Ghana in the midfield definitely improves them from you know Andre Gomez and Decore. But Dominique Calvert Lewin might be back for this match. Like that would be good, right? You know, it'd help them I actually have an out and out striker up top other than Neil Mape. And Anthony Gordon's look fantastic. The the West Ham thing, like they looked 
good against Chelsea. Like they, they responded well against Tottenham, but you know, plus one fifty five slight favorite on the road at Everton. I need this to creep up a little bit more. Like I have West Ham around plus one sixty and Everton around plus one eighty. So I'm gonna need Everton, you know, plus two twenty or maybe you know draw no bet at plus one ten, plus one twenty to actually play the toppies. But uh, yeah, West Ham definitely should not be a slight road favorite given what we've seen from them this season. I mean, they haven't created over like an expected goal per ninety, but they also haven't allowed over expected goals per ninety. Like they're they're one of the low, most low event teams in the Premier League right now, which is kind of shocking when you think of what they were last year. So ultimately, I'm just passing on this one. David Moyes went from being the most predictable manager in the league, like. To, he starts throwing us for curveballs left and right. God love him. All right, uh, that wraps up the Premier League. Let's jump around Europe a little bit. We'll start in the Bundesliga, and we will start with Anthony. Yeah, big win for Eintracht Frankfurt against Marseille in the Luckbox Bowl on Tuesday. How'd that match go? I didn't watch. That was too easy. That one was uh, way The under easy. was beautiful, I, I will say. But that being said, now Frankfurt goes on short rest on the road to Stuttgart. This is a basic projection edge for me. This market has moved a little bit up to minus 130 on the draw no bet line. I still like it. Stuttgart's the better team based on last year's expected goals, based on this year's expected goals. They're at home. And so that's good enough for me to bet them as uh, pretty close to a toss up in this match. So uh, I like Stuttgart at home. Gladbach Leipzig also is the big match on Saturday. I will be previewing the Bundesliga slate on the Action Network site. And we'll be touching on that game. Gladbach playing a little differently this year. The defense is improving. So that'll be an interesting matchup after Leipzig broke our hearts today. Marco Rosable. Yeah. Well, he's had, we've had all the Marco Rosables. Yeah. Every, yeah. Just the, had the last another one. Just yeah. you know, another one here. The yeah. love triangle. I'm going to move to Wolfsburg plus 280. I'm going against one of my, my boys, Union Berlin. I got plenty of love for this team, obviously. Bet them a lot, but the number is just way, way too high for a team with a minus 1.4 expected goal differential. Now, 1.2 of that has come from their game against Bayern, but that's still a negative expected goal differential for the first place team in the Bundesliga. So this is just a simple sell high spot on Union. They're playing Europa League also on Thursday, so they'll have a little bit of a rest disadvantage. Uh, So give me Wolfsburg, who have been not good to start the season. (laughs) Plus 280. Cash last week, though. Yeah. That's Union true. Berlin has the third lowest expected goal. I, I cannot believe we haven't talked play about them in yet. the whole league. And they're I, first. I have, I have some hilarious. Stats I hope they win the league offense. like this. I, really I have do. some hilarious. Jordan Peefock, oh. by the way, the American. Yep. yep. 13. I, so I'm, I'm on the same match, Michael. I'm, I'm on both teams to score. No, in that match at plus plus one ten. it should not be plus money. Union Berlin. I can't, I seriously cannot believe we haven't talked about them yet on this podcast. 13 goals off of 4.7 expected. That is the second lowest offensive output to Augsburg in the Bundesliga. They've taken 35 shots in the penalty area. That's second to last. They have 120 progressive passes. That's dead last. They have the worst passes per defensive action, the lowest high turnovers. They've completed the most crosses into the penalty area. And of their, so of their 13 goals, one was an own goal. So their 12 goals they've scored. The com- I added it up. The combined XG of those 12 goals is 0.98. Like they have made so many low quality chances. It is insane. And really it's style of play, right? It's the, it's a three, five, two, which becomes a five, three, two. They play very compact, extremely direct. And they, there's no buildup play. It's just once you get the ball, send the ball up to the forwards and let's just try to play two on two, three on two, try to win some headers. I mean, you go through it. Like their average holding line is 39.7%. Like they have the second lowest pass completion rate 
And I mean, but we'll say this, if you play a five, three, two, like you have to be good defensively, they have been pretty good. I mean, they're 6.7. They've always been good from, defensively. Yeah. From the six set pieces as well. Matches. I mean, look, they have a great formula for being like the sixth best team in the Bundesliga. Right. But well, but they, they play very different than anybody else in the Bundesliga. Right. Like, they don't, you don't play create open, enough attack. They don't that press. Way, like they just, yeah. And, you know, as far as Wolfsburg's concerned, like they're another team like Aston Villa, like they're doing a great job getting into the final third. They just cannot do anything in front of net. I mean, their expected threat. What's your boy? What's that? Lucas Mecha. I know, right? Golden boot looking pretty good right now. Um, (laughs) 1.56 expected threat per 90. They've turned that into 0.89 XG per 90. Like, they just haven't done anything in the final third. So how are I they think this, we'll break down a low block? They're, they're not a bottom five team. In they're general. not. No, they're not. But like, and this, this is classic buy low, sell high. Right. Yeah. So both teams score. No, I don't think should be plus money at all. I have projected minus 125. So I'm just on a both teams score. No spree in this podcast. And I'm probably going to keep going. That's how you, you want to go into an international be watching these games this weekend. Like I was watching the champions league on Tuesday when I had four separate unders, just if there, there's no Galasso show, but just sitting on the Galasso show clenched every time they yep. switch to a That's game. That's all I do every oh. single weekend. I just stay clenched every match. You know, if I'm not watching the match, I'm like constantly just double checking my phone to see if I got a notification or not from a goal. And once I see notification, I just like sink in my seat. I don't even want to know what happened. So that's basically how I spend my weekends. It's great. Let's move to La Liga. Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid in a, a Madrid Derby. That is the headliner here. I actually have a bet on this one. I like Atleti on the money line. I'm just going to keep betting against Real Madrid <laughs> until they lose because oh, man. I'm going to mark. I, look, I love Real Madrid because of what they did. Um, I've done to Liverpool twice in the Champions League final. Uh, and I love Carlo Ancelotti because he is Everton through and through as he's shown us. But I mean, they just are just, they should have been down what two nothing in the first 15 minutes, I guess, against Madrid. They should have been down two nothing. I mean, against Leipzig, they should have been down two nothing against Celtic in like the first 15 minutes. I love them, but there's one team you can't get away with dark magic against. And that's the team that does dark magic better than anybody else. And that's Atletico Madrid uh, who weren't very good in their uh, mm, Champions League. No, uh, they weren't. Which is fine. I mean, that's fine. You, you can't win them all. Uh, but I like Atleti here. You got to keep selling high in Madrid. BJ. Yeah, I kind of like over two and a half goals at minus 105, which kind of sounds dumb. But um, I mean, listen, when these two played like towards the end of last season, it's, it's a good sample, right? Because Benzema didn't play. They started Jovic up top and Atletico put on a counterattacking clinic against them. I mean, they created close to three expected goals. They won the match one, nothing. And I expect them to do pretty much the same here because I don't think like Anthony already mentioned, I don't think Real Madrid has solved their defensive problems. I don't think they've solved their defensive transition problems either. So, you know, Chimani's a great, you know, holding midfielder, but I mean, Cruz is aging Modric. They, they just don't do a lot of defending, you know, if Camavinga plays like that helps a little bit, but just if, you, if you're just, if you're just relying on one guy to basically stop defensive transition, like, Man, like uh, that's that's troublesome. So yeah, I, I I have close to three projected, which I was kind of shocked to see. But again, you go back to last season, Madrid was fifteenth in non penalty expected goals. Wow, like they were not a good defense. So I I'm I'm betting Atletico to put on a counterattack and clinic again here, and I'm I'm betting on goals over two and a half for me. Uh, and you have another La Liga bet you wanna 
sprinkle on. Yeah, let's just keep the bowl teams no, no, to score no train rolling, chugging along. Osasuna, Getafe, like maybe the most most like bowl teams to score no match of all time. Uh, it's minus one sixty. It's a it's a it's a it's a big price. Jesus, here. but <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get into what Getafe has actually done offensively, like it is. <laughs> It is quite shocking. Uh, since the start of last season, they're at 0. 0.76 XG for 90. They've created 21 big scoring chances in 43 matches. And this is this one just takes the cake. They're averaging six and a half box entries per 90. Like that is the worst in all of Europe's big five leagues. And what you have with both these teams, it's 4-4-2 compact counterattacking styles. There's not going to be any possession. Neither team's going to want to come out of their defensive structure. It's just going to be an absolute defensive slugfest for all 90 minutes. And I'm going to love every second of it because I mean, Osasuna, like they, they've been good. Like they're, they're in the top four right now of La Liga. Like they have nine expected goals, but they have had three penalties. They have been good defensively. I mean, they've only allowed a little over three goals. Like they've allowed the lowest shots in La Liga. Like they're tied with Barcelona, only 38 shots allowed. And they've only allowed 19 of those in the penalty area. Like this is a really good defense. I don't know how Getafe gets through and scores. Like if they do, it's going to be one chance and that's it. Like I, so I have both teams going to score. No projected at minus two forty two. I think that might be the highest BT at TS. No, I think I've ever projected, but there is value on it. So I'm paying one minus 160 for this to be a, a very big time defensive slugfest. Yeah, Anthony, I don't know how you can top that, but go right ahead and try. I mean, I can't, but I can't believe BJ is laying minus 160 on, both, I'm doing on it. both teams to score no proud. That that is bold. I'll give it to him. Uh, I like Viri out home. You know, I teased yeah, this on this the is, Champions this League preview amazing. pod. I took that before BJ had the chance. Yep. Uh Sevilla this is had why, another... by the way, this is why I'm playing BTS Nose because Anthony took this from me. Yeah, well, I made sure to have this one when we talked about it. You know, yeah. Sevilla went to Copenhagen today. They created less than one expected goal a week after Dortmund thrashed them. They had a weekend win, first win of the season against Espanyol, but they conceded 2.4 expected goals. They've now allowed 12 and change expected goals in their last five matches in all competitions against Almeria, Barcelona, Man City, Espanyol, and Copenhagen. So, yeah, a couple of good teams in there, but a couple of pretty bad ones too. So this Sevilla team, they're one of the oldest in all of Europe's top five leagues, I think that is the biggest indicator here. We've talked about losing Kunde and, uh, and Diego Carlos. That's, of course, important. But again, they are one of the oldest teams. They are aging poorly. They're on the road against Villarreal. And I hate the fact that Villarreal has run so well defensively to start the season. But they did just get off of a brutal loss to Betis, in which they created over two expected goals and failed to score. No idea how that game ended 1-0. But good bounce back spot. They do have a conference league road trip. Seems like it's priced in maybe a little bit here because they go to Israel on Thursday. But again, this line is short. I mean, Villarreal should be a bigger favorite at home, given how much better they are now. All right, uh, let's real quick talk about Syria. Uh, Anthony, right back to you. Yeah, Torino, minus 120 at home against the Swallow. Pretty much the same exact thing. I mean, last year... Much like Sevilla, Sassuolo ran extremely well on expected goals. They're also an older age profile. They also lost a key player with Gianluca Scamacca being gone. They are also in a state of financial ruin at the moment in the sense that they are uh, barely you know, making payments and, and had to uh, sell off some talent in the offseason. They go on the road against the Torino side. We know what we're getting with Torino, much like we know what we're getting with Villarreal week in and week out. Sturdy defensive performance, but the attack has shown some signs of life. I know uh, Juric was complaining to the board before the season after they sold Bilotti that he didn't have a striker, but you know what? The attack has not really been bad 
this season. They've produced at a pretty high rate, and they've played tough against some pretty good teams. I mean, they created, played into about even, uh, produced over two expected goals on three different occasions. I'm buying Torino here at home against an overrated Sassuolo. Uh, BJ, what do you have for us in Italy? I got an ugly buy low here. Uh, <laughs> Juventus, uh, minus 120 on the road at Monza. I mean, Juventus has been horrible. Like, there's just no way to sugarcoat it at this point. But Monza, this team is awful defensively. I mean, they've allowed, in six matches, they've allowed 12 expected goals, 18 big scoring chances. They've allowed 14 shots inside the six-yard box. That's last in Serie A, and that's insane. For context, Napoli only allowed 21 total shots in their six-yard box for the entirety of last season. That's how bad Monza's been defensively and they allowed 188 touches in, in their own penalty area. Like it's it, they, what's crazy is like Monza, they're trying to play this possession based style that got them promoted into Syria. And it's just flat out not working at all. Like they're bottom five in direct speed. They have more buildup attacks than direct attacks. Their sequence time is fifth highest in Syria. So if they continue on this style of play of just like, Hey, we're going to try to control possession and just basically take it to the big boys. It's like not going to adapt at all in Syria. So I mean, Juventus like, I don't know else what we say at this point. Like Allegri is probably going to get fired here pretty soon. They ended up creating 2.2 expected goals against Salernitana, but they went behind two nothing. So I can't really. It all came in stoppage time. If you watch. Yeah, it. and then and it was uh, chaos. Yes, it was chaos. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the point. But I mean, minus 120 on the road is is awfully cheap against this horrible defense. So it's ugly. But I'm playing events. It's minus 120 on the road at Monza. I skip over to France now. I think every time we talk about PSG. Man City. They're not Bayern, good. Or Bayern Munich. Usually when we're when we're talking about or teasing these matches, it's either a bet on the under or a fade. Anthony, you have one of those bets for us this week. Yeah, I might be doing both, but my best bet is Leon PSG under three and a half. Again, just an inflated total on PSG. They went to Maccabi Haifa today and uh, they created good. just over one expected goal. Uh, it was lackluster, we'll say. They, they, they created a few chances and ultimately deserved to win, but... Look, like Haifa was in it. Like they were at no point out of it. So that's concerning. Good call, BJ, on, on Haifa. Still uh, lost the under. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. Of course they scored late, but that's a given. Well, we've never won a bet in a PSG match on this podcast no. ever. That's not true. That is not true. Ever. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. We've not ever uh, won, they, a, they, won they, a PSG they, match. I, uh, we definitely won a Mon- against Monaco once a couple weeks ago. Anyway, I like getting three and a half here. Again, PSG on the road, tough spot at Lyon. Lyon's second best underlying numbers in France. They were underrated last year at the end of the season. They were a team who consistently underperformed their expected goals numbers. They're a classic buy low team who made improvements in the offseason despite losing Awar. So I, I like what I'm seeing here. I like the under. I think this is a very competitive match. And unless Neymar, I mean, look, Neymar's been incredible to start the season. But we know over the course of his career, he's pretty much a goals minus XG finisher. Like his goals equals XG is, is where he's going to be. Uh, and he's running well above that. Uh, and I'm just skeptical that that's going to continue. So I think that's really where you're seeing a lot of this PSG uh, love in the market. And really the defense has still been pretty good in France. I mean, the defense is definitely better than it was last year for PSG, even if they're uh, not creating uh, you know, necessarily as much in these other matches in the Champions League against Juventus and Haifa. Uh, and BJ, over to you before we get to our underdogs and best bets. 
Yeah, well, first off, I just looked at the schedule and PSG's got a road trip to Benfica on my birthday. What a great birthday present that's going to be for me. Anyway, I like uh, Ajaxio plus half a goal, minus 120 on the road at Stade de Bressois. This this Stade de Bressois team, it, it, they're weird. Like they, they haven't been good defensively. Like they've allowed over 11 expected goals in seven matches. Like they're middle of the road in every defensive category, but they're a team searching for some type of identity right now. So towards the end of last season, they were set up in a 4-4-2. They played very direct, very counterattacking. They started off playing that same formation, first match of the season. They just got absolutely pasted by Lens. So they abandoned that, and they say, all right, we're going to play a 4-3-3. The next two matches, they play well against Marseille. They create over two expected goals. They get a win against Angers, and then they go, they host Montpellier, and they got pasted seven, nothing. One of the weirdest score lines across Europe this season. And then they just abandoned the four, three, three and say, now we're going to play. Now we're going to play a four, two, three, one. And it didn't go well. They got now created in two matches against Ren and Strasbourg, you know, three to one on XG. And so this last match, they changed to a three, four, three, uh, which really ended up becoming a five, three, two against PSG. And they just sat very compact and played, played very defensive. Uh, but the last four matches, I mean, they've been out created 1.8 XG to, to seven. So this is not a good team that doesn't really know what kind of style they're playing right now. And Ajaxio, you know, they're a newly promoted team. They've been pretty unlucky. They only have one point through the first seven matches, but minus eight actual goal differential, only minus 1.2 expected goal differential. They've actually been very threatening in the final third. Like they had, they are top six and expected threat. Like they have a plus 0.36 expected threat differential, like actually kind of impressive stuff, but they just can't turn anything, you know, in the final third into any type of chance at the end of it. But really don't think Brest should be an even money favorite here at home, even though it is a Jaxio, even though they are newly promoted. So I like a Jaxio plus half a goal on the road. And now we move on to our favorite part of the program, our three-leg Moneyline underdog parlay. Anthony, uh, you teased your team earlier, so we'll let you kick it off. Yeah, I'm taking Brentford at home against Arsenal. Look, I mean, Brentford have been one of the best at taking scalps off the big six in the last year and a half since joining the league. The underlying numbers are very impressive. They defend their box well. Top six and both crosses and box entries allowed. Arsenal has been excellent. It's very hard to poke holes in what Arsenal have done to start the season despite their loss to United. But the market continues to give them a little bit too much love for me. uh, And this number is a little bit too high. So I like Brentford at home on the money line as well. Plus 330. For me, Wolfsburg plus 280 against Union Berlin. I really do love Union Berlin. I love dark magic teams like Atletico Madrid and and the Iron Ones. But, I mean, at some point, there comes a price. And even though Wolfsburg are off to a terrible start in the Bundesliga, we do expect them to start trending up at some point. Meanwhile, Union have a minus point, 1.4 expected goal differential on the season. Now, while 1.2 of that comes in a result against Bayern Munich, a draw, that's still negative. And they're in first place in the Bundesliga, despite creating the second least expected goals on the season, a classic sell high spot on Union. So give me Wolfsburg plus 280. BJ. Friday afternoon, Southampton plus 250 on the road at Aston Villa. We already talked about it, but Aston Villa just 
really a horrible offensive team under Steven Gerrard. Only four and a half expected goals created over six matches. If you take away the Everton match, they haven't created a big scoring chance. They're struggling mightily to turn final third possession into any type of chance inside the box. And the Southampton defense has improved quite a bit. You know, offensively, they still are averaging under one expected goal per match. But this is the Southampton team that's played well from behind that can create things going forward that has a lot of young talent now. So a price of plus 250, I think, is is wonderful. And Aston Villa is definitely on a team you want to bet as a favorite. So give me the Saints as, as underdogs on the road on Friday at plus 250. All right, uh, let's close up the shop with our favorite Premier League bets for the upcoming shortened match week seven games to choose from Anthony what did you land on yeah I'm taking Fulham and Nottingham Forest under 2.5 I understand how bad the Nottingham Forest defense is it's the worst in the league but Fulham goes on the road now and the attack has relied so heavily on Alexander Mitrovic that I'm not quite sure where the rest of the goals come from. They're a team who continues to be uh, due for unders based on what they did last season in the championship when they put up historic goal-scoring numbers, but also overperformed by over 20 goals over the course of the season when you look at goals minus expected goals. And these are still a pretty bad attacking unit in Nottingham Forest, 18th in non-penalty expected goals. Uh, Fulham's defense has represented itself well when they haven't played against the top sides. And so I think that, you know, gets me there. This is an ugly Friday afternoon play under two and a half. My best bet for the weekend. I'll go to Sunday morning. I like Everton. Yes, they are my team, but I like the number here. Plus 190. Uh, a lot of sports betting just comes down to beating the market to something. And I think there's improvement coming from the Toffees. And a lot of it is just personnel. They get uh, Adrisa Ghana Gay back in the lineup. They'll get Dominic Calvert-Lewin perhaps back in the lineup. This team should start trending up. Do I think that they're a better team than West Ham? No, I do not. But I do, don't think the gap is wide enough that West Ham should be this big of a road favorite. So I'm going to take a shot on the Toffees at Goodison Park to get their first win of the season. Everton for me. BJ, what about you? I'm going Wolves, Manchester City, both teams to score no at minus 110. This Wolves team is playing a little different than last year. They're starting to control a little bit more possession. They're playing much better in the midfield, but they can't turn anything from the final third into any type of chance at the end. Now they don't have any striking options right now. It's Diego Costa and Raul Jimenez. Like those are under 0.25 XG per 90 minutes try here in the Premier League. So trying to threaten a Manchester City defense that has been outstanding when they're playing against teams that are going to play low blocks. I mean, City is back to playing their pragmatic possession-based stranglehold style that they did for most of the Premier League during their title run last season. They're on average holding 72% possession. They have a lower direct speed than they did last season. And this is the type of match where we've already seen it four times this season when they play teams that are going to play low blocks like Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest, and Aston Villa. City over those four matches only allowed one expected goal and 16 shots to those four teams. So I don't see how Wolves, who's probably going to sit back in some type of compact defensive style is going to threaten city on the counter. So I have both teams score no projected at minus minus one thirty-seven. So I like the price at minus minus one ten. All right. Uh, that wraps up another episode of wonder goal presented by bet three, six, five, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. There's an international break looming on the other side of this weekend, so you won't hear from us for a little bit. But until then, best of luck with all your bets for BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. Thank you for listening.